over in your blood forever. And we thank you, Lord. Help to keep us, help us to stay in that place of grace where we abide with you in the spirit, in your spirit, God. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Open up our ears to hear what you have to say to us today that we may receive it and walk it out in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. So today we're going to talk about the fact that you cannot hijack the grace of God. Amen. You cannot hijack the grace of God. I know there are many, many teachings now. This this thing about everybody getting in excited about the teaching of grace tends to go through the body of Christ on a uh, you know a regular basis. Like it'll die down for a minute, and somebody else will resurrect it and you know pump it back up again. And I just believe that a, a sound biblical understanding of the grace of God and what that really is. It's the only thing that's going to help us understand it and help us to walk in it. And so if we can get a good biblical understanding of grace, then uh, I think that's helpful. And the Bible tells us to rightly divide the word of truth. There's a wrong dividing and a right dividing. For instance, if you look in the scriptures and you have a hard time believing uh, the gospel accounts of Jesus' healings and miracles, uh, because you haven't seen any, you're wrongly dividing the word. Because the truth of God's word is not based on any one person's experience. So we can say anything's not true because we've never seen it, heard it, or whatever. But most people believe we put people on the moon, but we were never there. And many times we've only seen what we think are pictures. If you have no frame of reference, if you've never been on the moon, you don't know if those pictures are valid or not that we've seen of the moonwalk. But by faith we receive it. Amen. It's conceivable in our believing that that's possible. And so we accept it as fact. Well, it should be even more so with the Word of God because you have the Holy Spirit to witness all truth. See, there are many things that we've never experienced that we'll read in the Bible. But that doesn't mean we can't experience them and it doesn't mean that they are not true. And so once you understand how to rightly divide the Word of truth, you divide the Word by accepting the witness of the Holy Spirit. If you have peace about something you read, how many times you'll be disturbed about things that you read because they convict you that you're not doing the right thing. So if it tells you uh, not to fornicate and you're a single person who sleeps around, you may think, well, how's that ever possible? But with God, all things are possible. He would never command you to do something you don't have the power to do. So you have to accept, God, there must be a power inside of me somewhere that I haven't tapped into as yet that's going to allow me to live in obedience to your word. And that's really how you live out the word of God. You accept that it's true. If it's command of God, you do your best, the best of your ability to obey that and expect God to help you to do the things that he wants you to do. And that's called grace. Grace is God's divine ability and divine permission to obedience to his will. 
his will and only his will that's why i say you cannot hijack the grace of god you can't take the grace of god and take it anywhere you want it to be so you can do what you want to do nor can you justify your own behavior and call it grace grace is not a justification for the works of the flesh it's not an excuse for the works of the flesh repentance is what we use when we get into the flesh you repent and you ask God's forgiveness and you step back over into his grace which is his divine ability to obey his will so grace really is the divine influence on your heart not so much your flesh but on your heart it starts in your heart if you think about it when you got saved there were probably many times that God spoke to you through people or he got your attention and that knowledge started to build on itself and then at some point you had to make a decision you know here's all this evidence of the reality of God's love mounting up against your feeble attempts to stay in the world and stay in the flesh and so you came to a decision that you would accept his offer of salvation well that didn't come because he worked on your flesh it came because he worked on your heart so it's the divine ability of the on the heart and we always we always would put grace into different categories which is probably accurate more accurate than what you see it taught in some places now and we talked about saving grace remember that by grace you are saved and so the first grace we we probably receive is the grace to hear truth and then that truth mounts up on the inside of our hearts and we cave in and say God you know I've been wrong all this time I see the light now I want to repent of my sins and accept you into my heart as my savior well then that is a grace that's been afforded to you to receive Christ as savior think about all the people who don't have that afforded to them as yet God's working on it but many times they don't have that grace before them to just step into the reality of their salvation and so we see that grace then is an action on the heart it's God's mercy and his divine ability on the human heart to receive what it is that God is offering at that time grace is also divine permission grace is divine permission not to do wrong and get excused but divine permission to do the will of God so grace then comes as a a response many times to a heart cry there's some things you want from God you want to be able to do and his grace gives you divine permission to do those so God enables us to do some things under his power but that is not blanket permission to do everything that we want to do see that that grace will lift once that that goal is accomplished you got me everybody hearing me okay you know try not to pay any attention to this this sound going up and down just stay focused on you know God will start to amplify it for you if you just don't let that distract you just don't let it bother you so he says he enables us to do some things under his power 
But that permission is not ours to do as we will, only as he wills. In Genesis 6, if you want to turn there in verse 8, this is God's dealing with uh, Noah at the end of the, the earth, or the end of the world as they knew it. In verse 5 it says the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Then the Lord regretted or repented that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said I will wipe from the face of the human race from the face of the earth the human race I have created and with them all the animals, the birds, and creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor or grace in the eyes of God. So this grace allowed him to be spared. That was the first saving grace we see administered. Amen. To humanity. What Adam and Eve received was mercy to continue so that they could bring forth a son who would redeem us from the power of darkness but up until that time man lived in darkness and every now and then you would find somebody that pleased God because they sought him and sought to worship him want to put him first seeking God is worshiping God seeking God is putting him first seeking God pleases God so when you find he found somebody who sought him that pleased him and he decided to spare the lives of not just Noah but also his seed. So we see salvation has always been household salvation. That's not a New Testament book of Acts concept. It's always been there. When it, the Bible says if the, by the first man Adam, by the first Adam, all men were condemned by the second man, Adam, or the last man, Adam. All men are justified. So this is a, uh, in other words, everything you do affects other people. That's what God wants you to know. What you do with your life affects your children, your grandchildren, your, your spouse, your everybody that you're connected to. And even those in your household. Because you'll see that with uh, Abraham. Even his household servants were to be circumcised. So everybody in your household. So God takes everything you care about. Uh, it's not like you love people and God condemns them to hell. Your love will bring them into salvation if you allow it to work that way. And so then Noah was able to find favor in God's sight. And God saved his entire household and his seed for, for uh, future generations. So he received grace in the sight of God and he was favor was granted for him to do a specific thing and that is to survive the flood and go ahead and reproduce and save his family. So he received God's approval on something he did. And I always say something you do because we don't know the mind of God and how he judges but grace is an indication that he approves of something you know what i'm saying he either approves of what you want to do that request he approves of the way you live your life maybe he feels he owes you 
based on some seed you've sown somewhere or maybe it's a call of God because of, of obedience of an ancestor. So we don't know. This is just a short list of some of the things God might consider in granting us grace. But grace is not a blanket permission to go and do. You know, it, you really have to focus on that because I think that's where the perversion of it has come in. That's where people who teach what they call hyper grace uh, to the extent they tell you you don't have to confess your sins anymore because Calvary was a finished work. Well, yeah, it was a finished work because it took care of all your sin, past and future. <laughs> Sorry about that. All right, I won't raise my voice anymore. But it took care of finished work means that it took care of everything that you would ever need. But you do have to comply with the rules of, of the new covenant. You, you don't. You don't go and sin and walk off and shrug your shoulders and think God's with you. Come on, folks. Your parents do better than that. You know, when when we did things uh, that my parents didn't approve of and they would give us a good lecture, we were expected to do better the next time. And we knew that it wasn't okay to keep doing wrong. Why? You either got punished, you got thrown across the room <laughs> you got the the uh, uh cherokee pinch <laughs> that's what i have cherokee's pinching you know that kind of stuff whatever you you know whatever it was that you you received as your punishment you got the punishment you knew it was wrong well god takes the punishment off of it because calvary was a complete work in paying off the curse the curse is the punishment for disobedience those ordinances were contrary to us and they didn't work as much as israel knew they'd be punished for disobedience or cursed for disobedience they still disobeyed why they couldn't help themselves and god knew that but just because you can't help yourself to a degree in disobedience you can be forgiven and you can be taught to do the right thing so grace does not cover that you don't have to be taught to do the right thing you know if we believe that then we have a bunch of sinners who are saved by grace but they're not redeemed you you got to be bought back out of the power of darkness to live a good peaceful life with god you can't continue to you know to cuss and fuss and be angry and throw your weight around and have a temper tantrum everywhere and think you're okay with god he wants to correct that got me he wants to correct that in everybody and so we have to understand that that god's grace will help us to get the correction that's what that's for so you have grace to be corrected and helped to do the will of god which is to live peacefully with everybody you don't want you fussing at anybody and striving with people and carrying on acting crazy it's not acceptable but you often can't stop on your own power and you need him to help you but you got to first recognize it's not pleasing to him and it's not just uh, shrug your shoulders off and act like it didn't happen it's go to god with that say god you know what i know this isn't pleasing to you because it causes me to have bad relationships with people got me and so let's let's find out and get in there and find that god will help you in all of these things now does that mean you should be a people pleaser that's far from being a people pleaser that's a god pleaser and there's nothing wrong with pleasing people either 
You know what I'm saying? Come on, y'all. <laughs> if I like you and you like me, we have much better time than if we don't like each other. Amen? Life's a lot more pleasant when that, that is true. And if we seek to please God and do what's right in his sight, that will usually be the fruit of it. Amen? Seldom will you have uh, any kind of trouble with people to any great degree uh, if you obey God's laws. You know what I'm saying? If you're a contrite person, you're a humble person, and you know how to uh, fix things when they're wrong. Amen? You know how to do that, then God will honor that thing. You know, some people are just touchy anyway. You're not going to please them no matter what you do. And so just call it all off. Just be pleasant and go sit in a corner somewhere until God opens them up to be able to receive things from you. So God will do all of this, folks. He'll help all of these situations that we kind of think are impossible. In Exodus 34, if you turn there, see another example of God's grace. Exodus 34 and verse verse 8 it said Moses bowed to the ground at once and worship Lord he said if I have found favor in your eyes or grace in your eyes then go with us number one he worshiped that's a uh, you know humbling that's God is due the worship so one of the ways into the grace of God is through worship. Plain and simple right there. He, he respected God. He honored God. He bowed before him. And he asked the question, have I found favor in your eyes? If so, I'll make this request. Can you go with us? Amen. And so God will entertain and answer requests. He says, although this is a stiff-necked people, forgive our wickedness and our sin and take us as your inheritance. And so he is asking God for relationship. He's asking God. So here we see saving grace again. Where you enter into a covenant with God and you must be afforded the grace to do that. Now, how do we enter into the new covenant with God? We've got to repent of your sins. You've got to be done with the sin life. You know what I'm saying? I mean, totally done with it. And you have to confess that and confess that before God. And then the grace for salvation is generally afforded to you if you are sincere in your turning away from wickedness and turning away from selfishness turning away from wanting everything your way you, you have to understand that that is part of, of what you need to bring to the table of salvation before you can be received as a covenant person covenant people are willing to let go of what they have and let God have full control Amen. so you receive the grace to enter into that covenant and that's what uh, well, that's what Moses, amen, received there. And God did agree to go with them. He said, I'll make a covenant with you. Part of that covenant is I will be with you, amen, and I will lead you and I will guide you, okay? Judges chapter 6, you go here, here's a different grace that's afforded a person. You can see from these examples that grace comes for a specific thing 
a specific time something that is spelled out clearly you receive the grace for that you don't have grace for everything God's not crazy enough to give blanket permission to us to do everything we want to do we've been saved from that mentality as well Judges chapter 6 and verse 17 thank you Jesus Gideon replied, Now if I have found grace in your eyes, give me a sign that it is you who are talking to me. So here you see the impartation of revelation by grace. And sometimes revelation is given to us so freely by God. Like for instance, if you're sitting, anytime you're under the word, faith is going out and revelation is going out for specific things that you need for instance God is not building your faith for something you don't need when you sit under the word he's building your faith for something you do need Uh, this isn't trivial pursuit where you get a bunch of facts about the Bible and you get to store them up if your spirit gets quickened and it comes alive to something that's preached it's because there is a desire and a need for that on the inside of you. You have a request on your heart. And God's grace allows you to have that question answered. And we, we kind of take it for granted because we sit under the word all the time and we get a little here, a little bit there, all that kind of stuff. But there is a process that's going on there. There's a desire and a petition on the inside of you to know something or there's a need that God's answering sometimes that need is for expanding understanding sometimes that need is for correction where you've been thinking the wrong way about something and then the revelation comes in and corrects that misunderstanding that you had or wipes uh, you know exposes something false that you've been believing and it gets it out of there so you're washed by the water of the word so you have that grace to be delivered and washed and cleansed but also it is revelation knowledge God is revealing a truth to you by his grace so Gideon needing to see a sign really is getting revelation that this is how God talks to people if you if you look at the history of the judges there was no leader in Israel I mean, they they didn't have a king anymore. That that whole system had kind of broken down, and every it was every man for himself. And God began to raise, raise up judges. Well, if there was no king, there was no priesthood, and the priests were out doing odd jobs, driving trucks or whatever you do as as an unemployed priest. You know what I'm saying? So they were out doing odd jobs. That whole system of worship had broken down. Everything was broken down. But God would raise up judges. If there was too much trouble for his people to survive, he raised up judges. And so Gideon was one of those people. So in other words, I'm telling you, he had no access to any kind of teaching about God's ways. And that's why he's so ignorant about God's ways and he has to have a sign to know that this is God talking to him. When Samson was born, an angel visited his parents and, they, and the angel was assigned to them. He went up in the smoke. He received their offering and ascended into heaven in that cloud of smoke out of their offering. That was a sign to them that their offering was acceptable to God. Other than that, these people knew nothing. They were like starting off just like you and I did when we first got saved. 
We had a lot of religion, many of us, but we didn't have much knowledge and understanding of God. And so you have to understand where these people are coming from. Now, God speaks to us now through his son, not through signs. He confirms his word with signs. Not talk to us through signs. Confirms his word through signs. People who are looking for dreams and visions all the time from God frighten me a little bit. Because they're opening their senses to secondary information and not getting the primary information that they need from God through relationship through his son to the word. And so you you will have grace. He says, if, if I found grace in your sight, give me a sign. Let this fleece be wet and then he wanted the fleece dry. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that sign business gets old after a while. And you just got to accept that this is God and obey what you hear. So, and God will, will, uh, will, um, you know, kind of, um, condescend to people and speak to them on their level. He wants us to understand him. So he's not trying not to have, have himself understood. He is trying to get us to understand him, but also he wants us to rise up to the level that he wants us to live in. And so he wants, in this dispensation, we're to read our word. We're to be faithful in church under fivefold ministry gift. We're to do all of those things if we're going to be pleasing to God. So the next example I have is in the book of Ruth. I don't know how I got way over here. Ruth, 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 chapter 2. And verse 10, we'll go to verse 8. Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. So she has grace in this man's eyes. Stay here. He's giving her permission, right? Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow all along after the women I have told the men not to lay a hand on you and whenever you are thirsty go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled at this she bowed her face to the ground and asked him why have I found such favor in my eyes that you notice me a foreigner Boaz replied I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother in your homeland and came to live with the people you do not, did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So if you want to get a little uh, synopsis of how to please God... Listen to what Boaz tells her. In other words, you've shown devotion to God. And you've proven your love for God by taking care of a widow. Which if you follow God's relationship, his words concerning widows and orphans, you know that God has always had supernatural help, resources, favor, and blessing taking care of widows and orphans. That's why it's not good to shun 
people in certain categories you know I mean it just really isn't you find somebody who's serving God and they don't have any support system for them it's good to bless those people pray for them find out what their needs are and allow God to use you to help people in those certain specific categories you know there are people who come into the household of God and and uh, haven't had parenting you know or rejection by natural parents adopted parents some kids just grow up in the foster system uh, and and people that that love people in that category and willing to help and serve them have special blessing and favor in the eyes of God I mean that's just true you look in the Bible you'll see that and so we thank God that he takes care of people to that degree but you can see that Boaz is a man who understands God's heart also right because he tells her specifically I've watched you and I understand uh, what who you are the kind of person that you are and God owes you for taking care of Ruth because you weren't obligated to her and so this God you come to trust under his wing and he will definitely reward you for that. Amen. And so this is this is something we need to take note of. When we find grace in God's eyes it is often due to our obedience. See worship opens the door for it. Obedience. So it's not like grace just comes out of nowhere. You understand what I'm saying? It just doesn't just fall. But you can't do a... a jot and tittle and say God owes you grace you got me you obey as best you can and grace is afforded to you now you can't go shopping for widows and orphans to take care of and think God's going to give you millions you got me it's not like that it's the heart he looks at and so the best way to do it is this uh, some people in that that special category come into your life it's good to understand God's blessing will be upon your life in, a, in an extra way for obeying him toward them not go you do your own thing and try to prove how much you like widows you know what I'm saying or let's have a a, a widow's night out at my house <laughs> you know what I'm saying yeah just if, when the opportunity comes, you obey God. That's that's all I'm saying. And so uh, Boaz recognized Ruth's heart. She had a heart to help her widowed mother-in-law. Didn't leave her stranded. Uh, found a way to get her back to her homeland where the inheritance was. And so that's a, a good thing added into Ruth's, you know, her list of, of deeds. 1 Samuel 1.18 So that's grace based on God's favor and divine obedience really. So that, that factors into it. 1 Samuel 1.18 She said, May your servant find grace in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something. Her face was no longer downcast. So this is Hannah praying for a child. You know the story. She was uh, bullied by the the second wife of her husband. That was common. It wasn't legal, but it was common. Uh, Hannah was barren. Why? God had shut up her womb. It wasn't because she lived a sinful life. She wasn't out of order with God. But God's grace to open her womb had not been afforded to her yet. Amen? 
So grace can be withheld for things we think are promised to us. Just saying. See, it's all under the sovereign power of God. You don't know why he's withholding in a certain season when you thought you should have had it already. And this is something that's hard for people. If God was like a clockwork God, nothing would work well. You understand what I'm saying? We'd be God. You'd be wanting, just like Satan, you'd be up there taking over his throne. Telling people how much you can do and all this kind of stuff. So so we always have that. There's something in our lives. Oh, here's the glitch. My life would be perfect except for. (laughs) And so, and it's not people, you know. People aren't your problem. Just get that out of your mind. Hannah had to get over that hurdle. Here she couldn't have children. The woman who her second woman her husband's married to has a bunch of kids, picks at her all the time, lords it all over her, and uh, you know it makes her life miserable. So Hannah had to forgive that woman and overcome in order to find grace and favor in God's sight. She couldn't be mad at her, and uh, you know the, thinking that's her problem. No, her problem is her heart longs to be a mother, and and God is the only one that can help that. So the fact that this other chick is cutting up means nothing. That that's not getting that. That's not her problem. That's not get, That's a diversion of the enemy to make the make you think that person is your problem. Just saying. You, you understand? People are never our problem. Because people, you can let people bug you or you can love them. You know, the choice is yours. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just it's just not that. It's the trick of the enemy to keep you focused on the natural. Keep you fighting flesh and blood instead of him who's working behind the scenes. He knows what works our nerve because he's been watching us all our lives. <laughs> you know, we've been adopted away from him by God and he don't like the papers that he had to sign to let us go. Huh? He wants to erase, he wants that erased. So, so you know, so this is Hannah. She found grace in God's eyes, and the priest said, "You know, go in peace. You, God will do this for you. You've been granted petition." And she immediately changed. And when you get a real word from God, your countenance is no longer sad. You're no longer depressed about every little thing, you know, and upset about stuff. Because you just ain't going right and that ain't going right and all that. Mm-mm. You get a word from God and that's all you need is his word to correct you and get you back over into the realm of faith. It, it would be no Samuel. If Hannah had walked away from there doubting and with a long face again, Samuel never would have got here. She left there in faith. What did she say? It says... <clears throat> What did we just read? Verse 10. It says. Oh 18. I'm sorry. Oopsie. Oh yeah. 18. Yada yada. It says. uh, May your servant find favor in your eyes or grace. She went on her way and ate something. That means she's back to normal life. Before she was fasting remorseful. Needed an answer from God. She got her answer. She went and washed her hair, you know, washed her face, combed her hair. And she was no longer downcast. If you'll receive the word of the Lord, 
it will change your countenance. It'll change the way you look because it'll change you on the inside and that always reflects on your outside. You know, people take problems too seriously sometimes. You know, their problem is a temporal thing, which means it's temporary. You didn't have to be downcast to begin with. You know, don't get that as permission to walk around looking like your dog just died. You know what I'm saying? That's not permission to give the devil credit and, and, you know, start drawing attention to yourself because of your long face. You really need to buck up and get with God and get a word from God. You know, there are people go through things you have no clue how bad their life is sometimes behind closed doors. You don't know. Because you're not supposed, that's not their life. That's a temporary thing. Why would they let that hinder their current joy when it's just temporary? So all you guys say is this is going to pass. God get me together. In fact, I'm going to get myself together like David did. Encourage himself in the Lord. God, you the God of all flesh. Nothing's too hard for me. Behold their threatenings. Father, they have stolen everything that belongs to me. And you're a God who keeps covenant. And you have promised me no foe would be able to stand before me all the days of my life. Even me as my own worst enemy. So I thank you, Lord, for defeating every single foe right before my eyes. And I will return and get everything that's been stolen from me. You understand what I'm saying? You minister to yourself. You've got enough inside of you to keep yourself full of joy. I'm serious. Now, this is how I got healed from a nervous breakdown. God showed me joy was my medicine. Laughter was my medicine. And I got rid of the Valium, the tranquilizers, the therapy, all that stuff. I was going to three different support group meetings a week. And I traded them in for Bible studies and the Word of God. Never to look back again. Not that I didn't need them at the time, but there comes a place where God's grace will take you to the next level, which is free from worldly uh, support systems and all that kind of stuff. I didn't need it anymore. It has served its purpose in my life. And so we have to understand that God has things for us that we have no clue. We have no clue. You won't enjoy life until you make up your mind to enjoy life. And I made up my mind. I said, you know what? I spent enough years depressed and sad looking and crazy acting. You know what I'm saying? Like my Bible was like a, a, a holy water thing. or a, <laughs> I took it with me just in case. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, God honored it because I found peace and comfort in the word. But that physical Bible wasn't what was given. But it was to me because I didn't know anything about God. I had that big black Bible. I don't care how small my purse was. That big black black Bible was sticking out of it. Because that was my comfort. That was what I clung to. To keep my mind together. And see I don't let the devil play in my mind. Uh-uh. I don't even go there. And people say well it's normal. No it's not normal for me. It's normal to be upset. Mm-mm, not for me. See I'd be in the nut house if I let that go too far. It's like a dog returning to his vomit. I don't go there. I've been delivered from that. I don't eat what God has delivered me from anymore. That's my thanksgiving to God. I don't partake anymore, Lord. That's not my portion anymore. The Lord is my portion. Joy is my portion. Life is my portion. Amen. And I'm going forward. I don't have to go back 
and look at what I used to do and what I you know it's a little it's a little slower for me to get about the chair now you know what I'm saying <laughs> and I live longer it might be even slower but God he's in my future amen I don't I don't no no way I'm not crippled and I'm not a victim. I'm not weak. I'm not any. I'm strong in the Lord. I'm not ashamed of it because Jesus paid a hefty price for me to live this way. And out of love and appreciation for him, I accept it and I live this way, not the old way. See, most of you who knew my late husband, y'all respected him. My right, G? Y'all loved him. You accept him as a brother in the Lord. But see, if I had run around here and told you all the mean things he did to me every day, it wouldn't have been so, would it? So I didn't live in the past. You got me? That's no place to live. So thank God I allowed God to deliver me never to go back again. Amen? To any of that. Many of you don't know how how uh, we lived that caused my nervous breakdown so you don't know that and you don't need to know that that's sealed until god opens it for me to help somebody with but i'm not going to go through life preaching it all day long just so you'll know how what a victim i was and how mean he was i don't need to prove that to anybody give that man a chance to be a new creature it's hard enough being new among the saints you know So, I mean, seriously, you got to use some common sense sometimes. You know, that's part of God's mind, too. So you, you do that. You be discreet. And you give an understanding to God. All things are forgiven. That's all in the past. I'm going in the newness of life, even if it's a challenge for me. So sometimes it's just a challenge. That's all. But God's with you. Amen? He's with you. You know, I move a little slower, but I ain't in a wheelchair. Praise God. You understand what I'm saying? But there's some people in a wheelchair have a lot of joy. <laughs> some people walking unhindered and have none. So just make up your mind where you are, what kind of Christian you are. But you have grace to receive the fullness of the fruit of the Spirit no matter what your circumstances are. God said you can walk in the Spirit, partake of the fruit all day long. Eat as much of that as you want to. Get drunk on the Holy Ghost if you want to. You got me? So we, this is what we do. Out of appreciation for what Jesus suffered on the cross, you walk in the Spirit. Amen? You walk free of all of these negative mindsets and feeling sorry for yourself and being encumbered and being strapped down and tied down. And can't do this. And can't do that. You know, get yourself full of the joy of the Lord. Amen? Honey, if I can do it, you can. Amen. If I can do it, you can. It's humanly possible. If I sat up here and said, I prayed and God gave me $10,000, you received them. I'm going to do that too. This is something you can do as well. If you can receive one blessing, you can receive another one. That's a blessing of God that you don't have to live like the heathen do. Discouraged and depressed and on medication, tranquilizers, going to doctors all the time. I'd be nervous going. I had doctor's appointments at one point twice a week. I saw a psychiatrist. I was in two support groups just so I wouldn't be nervous all the time and try to kill myself. So don't give me your poor story, please. Understand what I'm saying? I know when somebody's bad off. And anybody who's who's covered by that blood is not that bad off. 
Got me? Not that bad off. So you have hope in God. So walk in that hope. Walk in the fullness of God. Don't neglect the great so great a salvation. You know, you don't want to neglect what God's done for you. You need to partake of it and be thankful for it. Amen. So her countenance was no longer sad. That means from that day forward. Oh, you know, you have good and bad days. No, I don't. And I'm not going to prophesy that either. I have all good days. Amen. They're all good. It's up to me to call them good and receive them as good and act like they're good. You don't receive no bad days from God. Come on now. None of that stuff. Everything he creates for us is all good. All the time. Amen. All the time. Proverbs 4. We want to turn there. Proverbs 4. Oh yeah. Now I know where that is. Proverbs chapter 4. And verse 9, we're talking about wisdom. I mean, you just cannot get too much wisdom in God. You sit at the feet of Jesus. You open up your heart and your ears to hear what he has to say. He will mess your head up with how, how, how much he understands about you, about life, what you feel you're going through, even though he went through it for you. He even lets us talk crazy like that sometimes, you know. Verse 5, get wisdom, get understanding. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom because she will protect you. Love her, she'll watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her. She will honor you. She will give you a garland of grace on your head and present you with a glorious crown. So if you pursue wisdom, you get wisdom. She'll crown you with grace. Grace is the key that opens every door. You got me? It's divine permission. Wisdom is the key to grace that opens any door and wisdom will crown you with it. That means you'll wear it in your mind all the time. You'll wear it on your heart every time. You'll wear it on everything you do all the time. Wisdom will represent you everywhere you go. That means you won't get dumb. You won't get stupid. You won't let people push you too far. Get ahead of you. You know, there are times when there are certain things that I get understanding of how to do it from God. But then there are times when when another person will come up with another idea. Now, I have a choice. I can either strive with them and think I'm right. (laughs) Because I'm the all-wise, all-knowing. You know what I'm saying. We get in that mindset. Or I can let wisdom continue to take over and tell me, if I should yield to what they tell me or not. You got me? It's wisdom all the way down the line. Wisdom can be working in another person at the same time it's working in you. And you yield to that if wisdom tells you to do it that way. You got me? And so 
in other words, let me put it this way. There's no sense for you to fight with people over things. There's no sense for you to strive with people over things. There's no sense for you to get into a back and forth with anybody trying to prove you know something. That's not wise. But wisdom can help you all the way down the line to understand what to do. Understand the best way to do things and how to be effective in it. If you'll use wisdom. Now wisdom doesn't say, well I'm just going to shut up and let them you know run run things ragged you know sometimes wisdom will tell you to shut it down and just take authority and say well i understand i hear what you're saying but let's do it this way let's give this a try or sometimes wisdom will say well they got it they understand it just you understand what i'm saying you do that as a leader because you got to understand how not to mess stuff up you know (laughs) god gives you a better idea let that better idea rule and just write it out. Sometimes wisdom will say, well, let them try it. And if it doesn't work out, hopefully they'll recognize that, backtrack, do it over again. That's how wisdom guides us. It rules things down here for us so things work out well. It's not, about, it's not a power grab. It's not a power struggle. That's never wisdom. So wisdom will help us to be able to recognize her voice coming through other people. You got to learn how to do that. Sometimes that's why it's 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 not good to have a rebellious kid and let him remain rebellious. You know, you got to take a different tack of discipline sometimes because some some kids just are hard headed and and don't listen, even though they're not right. They don't understand they they're not right. That rebellion gets in them and they just refuse to listen. And so you have to understand that they will live a very disastrous life if they don't learn to respect the voice of wisdom. Amen. And see, God's plan is for your kid to be wise. And so they'll get them in a job they hate under a hard taskmaster until they learn how to submit to wisdom and realize, hmm, if I do what this person says, I get a paycheck every two weeks. So I think I understand what I'm saying. God has a way to correct that. It's best to correct it when they're under your authority. It really better for them, better for the household, better for your other children that they can put that rebellious spirit into. It's better all the way around, folks, if you let wisdom abide. But I'm telling you, some people think wisdom is mean, so they run from it or they argue against it. All that, And that's the voice of wisdom coming to them. But they don't recognize it as such. And so that's why the Bible tells us, let her be your friend. Let wisdom be your friend. If you got a rebellious kid, I don't care how old they are, you need to pray this prayer. Lord, help my child to let wisdom be their friend. And then they will learn discipline. They will learn prudence. They will learn all of those things if they'll let wisdom be their friend. Wisdom doesn't come to rebellious people. It comes to submitted people. It comes to the wise. It's one of those spirits that if you have some of it, you keep yielding to it, you get a whole lot more. Because God knows he can invest it in you and it will pay off. He does not, and wisdom is not the crown of fools. Amen. It just isn't. And so we have to understand that God will give wisdom in abundance to those who cry out for it. Amen. 
in uh, Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah, verse 31. Always be a person that listens, folks. And listen with the ears of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to, you know what I'm saying. Just stay peaceful within yourself. God will tell you what's true. Jeremiah 31 and verse 2. Oh, verse 2. This is what the Lord says. The people who survive the sword will find, will find grace in the wilderness. I will, I will come to give rest to Israel. So here we have a, a people who have been spared by God's sparing grace. They, ex, they escape the sword and flee to the wilderness. And God says, if you get that much grace and get to the wilderness, I'll give you grace for the next place you get there. And this is the way grace generally happens. It's situation for situation. So you can't hijack it over into every situation. For instance, many times people feel, if I got spared that, I got it made. You know, God, if I can survive this, I can survive anything. And then they find that their survival only goes as far as God will allow it. And then they have to petition him for for further grace for the next situation. That's how it happens. We're not guaranteed to sail through life. Jesus said you're going to have trouble down here. But he said cheer up because I've already overcome it for you. See people get... They don't even want to believe that they're going to have trouble. I didn't do anything to anybody. Sure you did. You were born. <laughs> That's what you did. You got here. <laughs> we have this legalistic thing in our brains. If I'm nice to everybody. I don't do anything wrong. Do you realize you're nice? Upset some people? God will see to it that it happens that way. Just so you don't make him a liar. So we're, we're trying to avoid. See that's what I call um, uh, uh, you know, controlling behavior. We want to control the external environment so we can stay peaceful on the inside. But God didn't ordain it that way. You have peace on the inside that flows to the outside if you yield to it. In spite of what anybody is doing that you feel is contrary to your peaceful little life. (laughs) Your peaceful little existence. I came to expect the devil to cut up whenever. You understand what I'm saying? And I can still remain peaceful in the midst of it. Because God is my peace. I got a person in me who is peace. It's not a feeling. It's not dependent upon my circumstances. Amen. So you'll find grace in the wilderness, and then you got to seek God for your answers there. Oh, grace will will allow you to survive in the wilderness, but you got to stay close to God. You can't just run around and do what you want to do under His grace. So in Zechariah twelve ten, talks about the spirit of grace and supplications. Did you know that you have to have you have to be graced to be able to pray? Mm-hmm. That's, you know the Holy Spirit is not stupid folks if he let people pray whatever they wanted to pray and sanctioned that and empowered that you know how many 
catastrophic things we would have happen just out of church people and that grace for supplication can come on a sinner whether we like it or not mm-hmm. just like the, the ones that came up to Jesus that were sinners and got healed that prayer was heard amen see it's believing God that's attributed to us as righteousness you can believe God's word and receive grace to petition and make your request and get your prayer answered and not even be born again mm-hmm. somehow they pleased him see grace is unmerited favor they don't have to be saved to now I would say if you're going to live a life with God that is that requires a covenant but these people they get the one time bailout you know they, they're desperate and God comes in intervenes and helps them or they'll call a Christian that they know to get prayer that's the easiest way to survive in a wicked world is connect yourself with somebody who knows God and, and these things happen that's how God can touch and reach people he doesn't hate the sinner he loves the sinner he hates what they do and he hates the devil but he'll spare the sinner if the sinner wants to disconnect himself from the devil. So we have a spirit of grace and supplication. Man. John 1.14 tells us Jesus was full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. So every time he spoke there was unmerited favor from God for him to say what he was saying and he got the desired effect that God wanted him to have you know carnal preachers will always look at well Jesus called the Pharisees snakes and vipers well he had the grace to say it do you we always want to call somebody a name in the name of grace but you know you need to bless people as much as you can you know you can't do exactly what he did because Jesus' heart was right in everything that he did. He was full of grace and truth. And the Bible says he did everything well. There was nothing he messed up. No word that he prophesied fell to the ground. It all came to pass. Amen. Acts 4.33 says great grace was on the apostles. That means that they were able to do extraordinary things under this great grace. Why? They were obedient to God, number one. They took their, their 39 stripes whenever they, they and it didn't stop them from going doing the same preaching over again and getting arrested over again. So the grace has to be great on people who are obedient to that level. So we see here obedience is an indication or indicator of the level of grace that you receive. In certain situations. Acts 14.3. We'll turn there. Because you'll see how grace is necessary for sign and wonder ministry. People think, oh well I have the anointing. Well that's wonderful. But that anointing is not yours. You, have gra- you must have the grace of God to minister under that anointing. See, people talk about anointing like it's their possession. Thank God it's not because you have no clue what it's about. And I don't either. 
the little bit I do understand makes me respect it more as the power of God and be thankful it is the power of God so uh, what we say Acts 14.3 it says so Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord that's obedient who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders so you must have the grace of God to perform signs and wonders that's you know your ministry does you know you, you can say well my ministry consists of well you better hope it shows up this time it may not be what's needed by the people at this time there may not be faith in the hearts of the people to receive all of that you tell much you consist of amen so it consists of the gospel of Jesus Christ you know we preach and we pray and God heals people and you know you know what I'm saying just keep it low key folks don't oversell God's ability through you amen so signs and wonders follow the grace of God Paul would always address the church grace and peace be unto you because he knew they could not do anything without the grace of God you can't hijack that now you're anointed for the office that you stand in but everybody who stands in that office has the potential to do the same thing you do amen so you're not unique and that power does not belong to you Ephesians 1 6 to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved of God so you have grace to be accepted you're not a reject people don't dislike you you know quit letting the devil play in your mind so much man cleanse your mind out it's not about you anyway it's about how you you're being judged on how you treat people not how they treat you it's just true now you can believe that or you don't have to but God will take care of you Amen. It, always, it never ceases to amaze me people who always seem to be victims always come out on the losing end and they don't like me and pretty soon you don't want to go to work anymore you're sick all the time all yada 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 if, if you're such a victim and God is so with victims why are you on the losing end I always tell people if you're not liked at your job why are you nervous about getting fired you ought to be confident in what you're doing there you should be able to be the last one at that job to close the doors because of the grace of God but see you're already in fear you don't understand the, the ways of God enough to know that you're secure in that no matter what your boss says to you and no matter what your boss does to you your job is secure but the test is yours to whether you continue to love them people even though they're persecuting you and treating you bad so that's the test you're under so you better get it in gear because you will be out on the curb you understand what I'm saying you, you know it, it just it works that way and see you can be a victim if you want to but the victims wind up losing that's the way it always and that's what the devil will set us up for if we let him don't let him set you up to lose let God set you up to be victorious you know all you got to do is go in there and say you know people say mean things to you well brother I love you anyway 
I'm not sure why you don't seem to care about me, but I'm going to keep loving you anyway. Or don't say anything to them. Don't let those words penetrate your soul. You know, you can go in the bathroom and have a good laugh. You know, that's what I would do. I'd go places they want me to preach and everybody treat me. You go up there hug you with a thumb and a forefinger. And I think, am I the invited guest or what? Am I chopped liver? You know, what did I put under my arms this morning? You know, just bacon fat or deodorant. You know what I'm saying? You just <laughs> throw me to the dogs. First time I went to preach somewhere, um, we had a little thing where we would, uh, how did we do that? I think I remember one of the girls would do she would she had this little thing she liked to do to minister to everybody who came in she said well when I first came in somebody had me a scripture and I still have that little scripture I was in such a low point and it just you know so that's what we did they put scriptures and you know they would have one girl in charge of finding what we would find encouraging scriptures from the Bible the Bible's full of them I get my scripture, number one, when you're a speaker, don't take anything from anybody before the meeting. See, I learned this lesson, so God is teaching me as I go. I get the scripture, instead of reading it before the meeting, I just stuck it in my Bible. Smart move. But she insisted I get one. So I go back later, read the scripture, woe to you Pharisees, blah, blah, blah. So I slammed my Bible and went out there and told her off right at the desk. Should not have done such a thing. But I didn't have the maturity in God to understand that the devil will try to ensnare you while you're on your way to obeying God. Thank God I didn't read it beforehand. I preached and I ministered to people. We had a wonderful meeting. But I opened it up because I always enjoyed edifying things. You know, I liked getting scriptures that blessed me. And at our meetings, we had edifying scriptures. And so I told, I asked her, I said, you have something against me? The Spirit told me. I said, honey, you're working for the devil. I said, don't lie on the Holy Ghost. I said, God would not tell you to give anything like that to somebody who's anointed to carry a message. So the girl who was in charge of the ministry overheard me. She was embarrassed. She said, Barb, I said, no, I'm going to talk to you. I said, we'll get her straight. I said, she don't do this to your guests. You don't do this to God's people. So we all sat down. had a little talk about it. I'm so sorry. I said, you need to pray about the people you put in every position around here. I said, this girl is jealous of everything. I said, you can't put jealous people up front. I said, until they get their spirits right with God, I said, you don't put them up front. I said, don't do it. So we all pray together. We're all good friends to this day. In fact, the, the little, uh, little greeter girl came to one of our meetings some years later with a friend, a man who had cancer and needed to be healed. You know, you, you run into him again. You know what I'm saying? But it was all good. After God got us straight, made us friends, we all matured. After that day, it was all good. So, but but you can't you can't bank on having a wonderful skip through the the you know the valley. Oh, I'm going. I'm on my way to serve God. How what a wonderful thing! You better look for them pits, landmines, and everything else down there. If you're smart, you'll keep your feelers out. And expect it. And so when it happens to me now, I just go in the bathroom, have a good laugh. 
or something. I said, well, you know, it had to happen. The devil, you know, been too quiet for too long. You know, sometimes they're so bound they're scared. But every now and then, you know, just like this time, we don't have a problem with people prophesying to people after me. We haven't had that in so long. This time, every night somebody was there trying to give a prophecy to somebody. You know. Got to go. You got to go tell them. You got to rebuke them. Tell them, nope, that's not right. We don't do that. I told them, I said, when I dismiss the meeting, that, that closes ministry down for the night. Even the speakers aren't, aren't big on praying for people after the service is over. They want to go somewhere and rest. You know, you know nobody's that, that insecure about people liking them. Except goofy people come in there. You know. People get, you know, you can tell when this, God sends people, God sends people and they're mistaken or they haven't been taught protocol. Number one, if you don't know what you're doing, don't open your mouth. If you haven't been taught or you just think you've been taught that's what people get nowadays they think they've been taught so there's no grace for you to deliver a prophecy and if you do have a word for someone the spirit of the prophets is subject to prophets you can hold that until an opportune time all you got to do is say well you know what I, I'm going to ask the leadership here I think I have a word for somebody they never do that never so we find them following people around and then the more they, they listen to them, the louder they get. So they're trying to get an audience around here. Go pay your own rent somewhere and get your own audience. You know what I'm saying? This is nonsense. You don't, God doesn't have people like that in the body of Christ. When you are called to minister, you're invited by the people in authority in the meeting to minister. I don't care if you think, I said, well, God told me to pray for That's ministry as far as I'm concerned. They know where to find you. You know what I'm saying? Go in the bathroom. <laughs> Way after the meeting. I don't know, but, you know, just stop this. This is not right. So anyway, but God wants us to do things under his grace with divine permission. Amen. Ephesians talks about the riches of the glory of his grace. Ephesians 1, 7. Amen. God has made us accepted in the beloved according to the riches of the glory of his grace. Grace is rich. It's not cheap. It's not an excuse for sin. It's not a rubber band that you can stretch every time you do something wrong and it never snaps. It gives us access to God's permission. Amen. He has riches wants to give them to us but we really don't know what we're doing that's why he can't give us blanket permission for everything it's permission for this permission for that if you think it spreads over everything you try it and see if it's there it'll backfire on you every single time Philippians 1 7 tells Paul tells his church that they are partakers of his grace So if you're under somebody's authority, the grace that is on their words and on their work is on you as well if you receive them in love. You know, you see people go to somebody's church for years, disgruntled, they don't accept, critical of everything they do. They're never going to partake of the grace that's on that, that ministry. You know, you can't be a person that doesn't have love in your heart. 
for that leader and think you're going to do signs and wonders that they do. You know, that should be a cue to you to leave them alone and correct your attitude. If God's working through them and he's not working through you, you want that. You submit to what you want. Amen? I mean, just just make common sense. Go figure. Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech be with grace and seasoned with salt. In other words, let God give you permission to say what you say. Amen? Now, sometimes I've had this happen to me, happen a lot. God says, open your mouth, you'll fill it with words. You can start on a conversation going one way with a person. You ever notice it turns a corner somewhere and picks up down another street? Uh huh. Well, that's God fulfilling his word. So he's giving you grace to open your mouth and get some things out. But you're not in charge of the whole conversation. He'll get that conversation going down the street he wants it to go down. Yeah. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. That was the highest prayer Paul could pray for that church. That they always have the divine influence in everything that they do. So you can carry out the will of God as a son or a daughter. Receive an inheritance. And have the ability to carry out God's plan. For your life. And you do that all with his grace. The church was given God's grace to fulfill his plan for their lives and his plan alone. Amen. You ever want to know what God's plan is? Start asking him. When we talk about God's plan, many times people are afraid they won't be able to. It's restricting them. The first thing that comes to them. I don't want your plan. But I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do that. I don't want you to tell me not to do that. And I want to be able to do that. <laughs> That's why we never ask him. We never ask him what his plan is. <clears throat> or we do a few things we think God approves of. We think that gives us permission to do everything else we want to do from then on in. Amen. Amen. Since grace is divine ability, God has afforded uh, us. Uh, a, it is grace is afforded to us by God for approved things. God approved things. Sometimes God approves of you doing, you know, cleaning your home or sprucing that up or, you know, I mean, it just, we have this goofy escape hatch to think God only approves of us praying for somebody or, and often we don't do as much of that as we should. You know, I don't. I can do more. I know I have time to do more. God's divine ability allows us success in the God-approved things. Things God approves of. Things always go better with God. Whatever you can do, God will guide you to do it better. What you can do out of your own will, he'll guide you to do it better. So grace is an upgrade over what you can do on your own. So the grace of God, you know, God will just come into your mind on something and begin to show you a way to either do it better, easier, more effectively. That's his grace, is the upgrade in your skills. Amen? So when we take off with something and don't submit it to God, we are attempting to have divine success with human effort. 
See, we there's something in us that always has this little pride of accomplishment thing, and that needs to be submitted to God. You know, because you can't take credit for that. You know, it's not you anymore. Since even before you were born again, it wasn't you. A lot of divine ability and many things that we've done over the years and we don't even recognize it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes you, you get carried away. You know, you're given a chance. For example, you might get an opportunity on your job to do a project and you get all worked up about it. And before you know it, you're not trusting God to help you do it. You think this is your opportunity to shine. I'm promotable. I can do the boss's job better than he can. You know, all that kind of nonsense. And so God wants the glory. And he will sometimes frustrate our efforts because we are frustrating the grace of God. Amen. He wants to show you. See, when God is involved in something, it will have the outcome he wants it to have. It might be a make or break according to your career. And if he allows you to do it all by yourself under human effort, it might be a break. But if you trust God to guide you and lead you and give you wisdom through it, it will be a make. Okay? So that thing won't break you. It will make you. And God will get the glory for it. You can't stand there and get the pat on the back and all of that and think it's okay with God. You know, you, you have to understand he's, he ordained for you to have that job. He ordained for you to be successful at it. He ordained for you to, to go from one promotion to the next always. He never ordains failure. Never. And so we have to understand that if we allow him to come into every situation, it's much, much better. We perform better. The outcome's better. People will will honor us. People will receive us. You'll get your share of persecution, but it's just enough to make you trust God over and over again. So you can't you can't match the grace of God in these things. We struggle and fret and have a miserable effort, or just get by because. and get it and then you go in the first day of the job it's just you you left God on you slammed the door in his face he wanted to go in there with you to help you have success you slammed the door on his face amen we want God to open the door but we ourselves want to go through it and be the big deal you know what I'm saying so we may not know that God's grace is available to us in abundance in these situations and so many times we'll hit a snag where we need to go to God and get an answer. Just because we stepped out of the grace that's available to us. He wants us with him in everything. Amen. We really need to understand that God cares about everything that concerns us. He wants us to have success because the human soul has a hard time handling failure. When you fail at something, your soul gets tormented because then the devil devil convince you to fail at it and then he'll make fun of you because you failed. Oh, you shouldn't have done that. 
Well, devil, you told me to do it. Yeah, you shouldn't have listened to me. <laughs> you know how I am. I ain't never tell you the right thing. You know how that goes. So, so you know, the human soul can't handle that. You just really can't. And so that's why God wants us to succeed. Because then he has to go in and repair you, repair your soul from, from feeling bad about yourself because you didn't do well. You know, everybody wants to do well, folks. I don't care what you, you know, you say, I don't care no more. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You need to care, you know. If you don't care, you need to repent. Amen. (laughs) I had somebody tell me one time that, um, you know, years after they had made a mistake, they had, you know, committed adultery with best friend's wife. I said, what would lead you to do something like that to your best friend? They said, I thought I didn't care. I thought I didn't care. See, at that time, they were disobedient. They told themselves they did. And then years later, when the fruit came forth, they realized they did care. You see, caring after the fact. Learn how to care before the fact. Because caring after the fact doesn't free you up from the torment of it either so learn how to care before the fact don't give the devil so much play in your mind to convince you to do things and act like you don't care that's the worst that's the worst place for any human being to be because you look back and see where you cause so much trouble and destruction for innocent people you got me and so we we have to always keep ourselves in a place where we understand the grace of God is available to us. Amen. Stephen, when he was being martyred, when they stoned him to death, saw the heavens open and Jesus sitting, really standing now at his throne. So he knew that he was being received in the heaven. There was grace for him to endure being stoned to death because he knew he'd been received in the heaven. You know, who's stoning us? Amen. We're just stoning ourselves. We live in that place of letting people, uh, uh, letting their words have too much power in our souls. The only person that needs to have power with their words in your soul is the Lord. You know, any word somebody puts in there that's contrary to you can be washed out with the water of the word. Amen. You know, you, you have to live like that. You have to do certain things a certain way. And understand that, that difficulty will come to you. God will test your love for him and for others. You have to learn to forgive people. You have to learn how to get retaliation out of your heart and mind. You know, when, when uh, God gave Israel laws for punishing crimes, you know, and hurt feelings isn't a crime. Somebody says something to you is not kind. It's not a crime. It's an offense. You either pick it up or you don't. You can lay it, leave it, lay right there. You don't have to handle it, think about it, examine it. Amen. You can leave it right there. But but you know when when we we do have offense, God tells us to learn how to forgive immediately. Just leave it right there where it is so that it doesn't go any farther than it does. 
But there were times when people were really, there were crimes. Somebody would steal your ox, steal your this, steal your that. And God wrote down what the penalty was, what the restitution. He was specific about it. There were certain crimes where when people did things, they they had to be beaten publicly. And God would tell them exactly how many times they were allowed to hit somebody if they committed a crime. And it was never the person that they committed the crime against that was allowed to do it. You know why? Because vengeance is never appeased in man. That's why God told you, you stop when you get to this number. Because God knows if he doesn't stop us from getting even, we never get enough getting even. You got me? That's human. That's the carnal side of humanity. So God had to put a stop on the number of times he said, he said if, you, if you go farther, you are degrading that person. And God does not want a person degraded. Degrading is not the same thing as punishment. Punishment pays, pays off the debt in God's eyes. And that's as far as it needs to go. When we get unleashed on people, you can, you can want revenge even after you've told them off 15 times. Sometimes people, every time they get in your face, they want to remind you what you did wrong to them. You got me? So vengeance really has no limit in a human being. They'll go on and on and on. Some people, when they get to be 90, they'll look on the nursing home roster and if they see your name, they're going Jimmy with the brakes on your wheelchair. You understand? <laughs> and they'd have told you off 15 times. Didn't tell you off at the class reunion, at the 95th class reunion. And now they showed up in the nursing home getting ready to mess with your wheels on your chair. You understand what I'm saying? So that's why Jesus, the Lord says, vengeance is mine. I'll repay people. You get your hands off of them. You forgive. That's all you're allowed to do here. You're allowed to forgive only. You don't repay anybody anything. He said, because I know y'all, y'all never get tired of repaying people. That's the way the human soul is. When it's damaged, until it's repaired, it keeps rehearsing. You ever notice about that? Every time you see somebody, that thought will and you rehearse it over. If you keep letting that play, you know, you can shut that off anytime you want to. You keep letting it play, and it'll start getting in your heart. You'll start getting angry. You'll start forming words. You get motivated to say something else. And you're never done getting even. That's why God says vengeance is mine. I repay people. You can't. You're not holy. You're not allowed to repay anybody anything. You got me? Only the holy one is. Only the lawgiver repays. You didn't. You didn't form any laws. You're just trying to live by them. So the best we can do to live by the laws of God, let's do that. But the grace is afforded to us to do the God-approved things in our lives. Only the God-approved things, folks, are we graced to do. Amen. Father, we thank you and we bless and praise you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Give us understanding, even in a greater way, Father. We need understanding so much. We can live so much more joyfully, happily successful in your grace. 
So we thank you, Lord. We have the grace to live for you every day. The grace to do mighty deeds, signs and wonders, to do all things well. The grace to succeed in everything we set our hands to. That is always upon us. And help us, Lord, to forgive others as we are forgiven by you. To love you and others, Father. It's such a privilege and an honor to live in this grace. And we thank you for it, Lord, and we accept it in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up. Praise God.